constant floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler, and coming to you today from a very special location, I am in Arlington, Massachusetts, the site of the latest project for the 37th season of this old house. And today is the final day of production, and we are here right in the midst of all of the craziness, the cameras, the sawdust, the people, to bring you the story of this amazing home and its renovation by the awesome team at this old house and an amazing home it is the transformation of this home from a plain jane arts and crafts home where you could barely tell what the style was to what they brought you today is absolutely amazing so you've got to follow along at thisoldhouse.com you can watch the first eight episodes there you can also of course watch them on your local pbs station just check for local listings or follow them on social media at this old house on twitter and facebook hashtag T-O-H Arlington. Coming up this hour, we're going to get all the details straight from this old house team. Plus, we're going to talk to the design pros that helped bring the vision to life. Well, each project taken on by this old house has very unique characteristics, and this home certainly does as well. It was built in 1909 in a style called arts and crafts. To learn more about the home and the style it embodies, we welcome a guy who certainly embodies style in all his work and in his flannel shirts, Norm Abram. Welcome, Norm. It's good to be here. It's so great to have you back again. First of all, 37th season. Let's let that sink in. Yeah. That's a lot of years. It's a lot of years. You have inspired millions of people with your work on this old house and ask this old house and Yankee workshop. What keeps you going? I guess it's the fans. You know, you, I rock into a grocery store and someone comes up to me and says, you know, I'm Abram and say, yeah. And they said, oh, we watch your show all the time. And, and, uh, they just start these conversations and they're also grateful for what we all do. Mm -hmm. You know, I think they respect the brand and, and, uh, they watch the shows. They obviously know what's going on. And so that's a good feeling, you know, to have that going. It doesn't feel like 37 years. Right, right. I mean, I, I realize it's over half my life <laughs> so far. <laughs> and that was kind of a shock. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, process. Mm -hmm. I love construction. I love building things. And, and I love sharing the information with the public. Now, this home is built in a style called arts and crafts, and right. I understand that uh, Nick and Emily, we talked with them earlier, Emily actually figured that out with a Google search, which is how we, right. how we do things today. Yeah. Um, but arts and crafts was actually a, a, um, a pretty common design to this particular part of the country, right? Yeah, well, it came, you know, I think there's a lot of arts and crafts influence across the country, uh, actually, and here in the Northeast, you see it, but you see it in a different form than most people expect it to be. Okay. And that's what happened with our house. In the first shoot that we did here, and Kevin came up, and, we, and I said, well, what's the style? I said, arts and crafts. He goes, that's not an arts and crafts. I said, yes, it is. It's an early version of arts and crafts. It's much more influenced by the English. I mean, arts and crafts really started in Europe, in England, and it was really came about because it was a transitional uh, period between, you know, the Victorian era and very fancy and detailed things to be more about craftsmanship. Right. It's about how things are done and how well they're done. I thought it was ironic that uh, in England they saw Victorian homes as factory made. Right. No, well, <laughs> factory right. made rubbish. <laughs> right, right. That's one of the distinguishing factors is that arts and crafts was, you know, just the opposite of factory made. It was right. all handmade and there was individual craftsmen working on it. Our house here is very subtle in terms of, craftsman, of craftsman style. 
the cement on the gables, the, the half timbers on the gables, and the steep pitched roof, and a little bit of the overhang and brackets. And, and as Richard Duffy, who's our expert here, and this town has treasure trove of right. all styles of houses, he said, you know, it's subtle, but it's there. Right. So we went on a little tour. And I don't pretend to be an expert about arts and crafts, but I learned a lot from him. He took me to a house that represents arts and crafts in a way most people would picture it. So you say, what, what makes this arts and crafts? The large overhangs, um, you know, the steep roof pitch, the boxed out bay window. Right. Uh, and that house had an, en- an entrance door that was a little different. I challenged him on that and he said, well, you know, this is a New England thing. This right. is definitely a period, New England period entry. So sometimes we call this Craftsman New England. Right. But then he said, I can show you something that most people will recognize as Craftsman style, which is a bungalow. And that's what most people think. You're out right. in California, you see all these craftsman-style homes. I personally love a lot of the features of the, after, <laughs> of the craftsman-style homes. Yeah. You know, the shed dormers uh, and the, the later ones, you see these porches where the roof line comes down and it encompasses the porch as well. And you see columns made out of stone that are tapered and nice window details. It, that's when you start to see what most people think is arts and crafts. Then he took us to another one which was sided, much like ours. It had the cement and the half timbers on the gables. But what gave you a signal that it was an arts and crafts is that the roof line, roof lines are often very steep, and they start from the very top, and they come all the way down to the first right. floor and sometimes have that slight little curve. Right. It's like a, almost like a ski jump or right. something. You know, right. It shoots all the way down from the top. Yeah. Right. So they're very subtle. And they also in that house, the, the windows, you can look at the windows sometimes are a cue cue to arts and crafts. The top third of the window would be divided lights. The bottom third is a single pane of glass. And so it's all these little things that you start to see, but where you really see it is when you go to a house and you go on the inside and you see the the inside of the house. We took us to the pain estate uh, where there's a house there that we just spent our time on the inside. And what was interesting about that is that really brought out the fact about craftsmanship. Right. Uh, that was a house that was designed by H.H. H. Richardson. It was built in 1886. And when we went up to the fireplace, there were these very intricate carvings that went down each side of the fireplace to support the mantle. And you have to really look at it closely, but they weren't the same. But they were close to the same. Right. And he said, well, you know, the idea was that he brought in all these craftsmen, and they were given a certain amount of freedom to show their own style. So each one was made by a separate right. craftsman. Right. You look at... You look at even small turnings on a on a, uh, an area where there was a seating area for right. a rail. They're all slightly different, yeah. and that just gives you the sense that you know these were done one at a time, and uh, it's you know it's all about the quality of the work that gets done. Well, one thing that's so special about this old house is you let those homes tell the story, mm-hmm. just as every one of those pieces tell the story. I want to segue here to a new um, a partnership you guys have formed with Mike Rowe. Right. You and Mike have gotten together. And um, I've talked with Mike about this, about the skills gap. The fact is that there are more jobs out there than there are young people to fill them. And you've really taken a bold step forward with a campaign called Generation Next. Tell us about it. Well, Generation Next is really a a way that we want to give and make available the opportunity and encourage people to look into the skilled trades as an occupation. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. Ever since we've announced this initiative, I have people coming up to me saying, I had no idea. And when you tell them the story and you say, look, there's millions of jobs out there that are not being filled. Right. 
And we need to teach people how to fill those jobs. Because if we don't do that, who's going to take care of your home? Who's going to do your plumbing? Who's right. going to do the electrical? Not everyone needs a four-year education. And as Mike Rowe says, he doesn't put any, doesn't shortchange education. But we want to be able to raise money that we can put into Mike Rowe's foundation, MicroWorks. And then those will be given out by him for scholarships to people who qualify. And, and actually, your project house for one of the project homes for next season, well, the entire profit on that is going to go to the MicroWorks Foundation, and you're going to feature some of those young craftsmen working side-by-side side with the masters. Absolutely. We want to set the uh, course, and we want to do a lot of profiles. There'll be a lot of stuff, a lot of things on the web. We want to profile people who have gone into the trades and love it. Norm Abram, thank you so much again for all that you do, all that you've done over 37 years with this old house. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. You live in a body pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Today's Money Pit is presented by Caseta by Lutron. Simple to use, simple to set up. Learn how you can win a $5,000 smart home upgrade at OurLifeUpgrade.com. No purchase necessary. Ends 12-15-16. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler on location today in Arlington, Massachusetts on this, the wrap day, the final production day of the 37th season of This Old House. We're witnessing the rebirth of a beautiful 1909 arts and crafts home. Well, just as important as what happens inside this beautiful 1909 Arts and Crafts home is what happens outside. The property itself needed attention and vision, which came in large part from landscape architect Kimberly Turner, who joins us now. Welcome, Kimberly. Hi. So you had quite a project here. I read on your bio that you believe strongly in the power of collaboration in the design process. That includes both the clients and the landscape. Do you try to have everybody sort of talk to you in their own way and bring it all together? I do. And that goes to um, landscape contractor, the client, the architect, everyone who's involved in a design way um, with the house. So what did this project say to you when you first saw it? (laughs) (laughs) It, The project needed a lot of work. It was um, a landscape that had been not tended to for for quite a long time. So it was a lot of overgrowth, um, overgrown forsythias, a lot of encroachment of the plant beds, and just sort of needed to be tidied up a bit. There was a landscape underneath all that, but it was a little hard to see because it was so 
overgrown. And so the design here really encompassed um, both the, the land uh, in terms of the trees and the plants that you added, but also sort of the structural elements with the patio and the steps and all of that elevation. Is working on a lot that's this hilly um, kind of a challenge? It is a challenge, but it's one that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, you can create a lot of spaces just by moving the topography around. So we have, um, you know, a few different levels out there now where there was sort of a consistent slope. We've, you know, moved the grades around to create plateaus here and there that, that um, sort of define the spaces. So if, if someone's listening has never really considered working with a landscape architect, you know, tell us about the process. What, what do you sort of bring to that first meeting? Sure. So, you know, my job is really really to marry the architecture with the landscape. Mm -hmm. So if there is an architect or an interior designer involved, they like to talk about how the views from inside the house will work with the outside of the house, how you're going to enter into the landscape and, you know, really sort of expand your living space. With this particular property, what do you think was the most challenging aspect? There are a few things. Um, again, it was very overgrown. We mm -hmm. needed to kind of create more open space for their dog and their child to be able to run around and play. Mm -hmm. There were some budget considerations that we had as well, and also some regulatory considerations as well. You know, there were some things that we couldn't do because we needed to go through a permitting process that we just didn't have the time for. Now, you had to take out a beautiful large tree here. You had to put um, new trees in. When you're doing a design like that, what are some of the considerations that would help you kind of go through to find the right combination of trees and, and shrubs and so on? So I study the microclimate of the, uh, of the landscape. I okay. like to sort of study where the sun patterns are, um, what's done well there historically, and then I choose my plant palette based on native plantings that also sort of fit with the unique microclimate of this particular site. How long have you been doing this in this area? Yeah. Has it always been a pa passion for you? It has. I'm, yeah. I mean, I've been interested in it since high school. Mm -hmm. um, I've been doing it for over well, probably 15, almost 20 years now. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's fantastic. And it really did um, an amazing job here, the transformation. I've seen a lot of these, and sometimes the landscape doesn't get as much attention. But this really was a very big contributing factor to the beauty that we're seeing here today because you really have re-sculpted um, the land here to create something that was sort of underlying, but it needed to have sort of the mud and the dirt and the overgrowth sort of pulled away. And what you've left behind here is really, really beautiful. Thank you. Kimberly Turner, landscape architect on this, this old house project. Thank you so much for stopping by the money pit. And remember you can follow the progress on your local PBS station and at thisoldhouse.com. Plus you can get details and behind the scene photos at, by following at this old house on Twitter and Facebook. Hashtag T-O-H Arlington. Well, the craftsmanship that this home exudes includes not only the building itself, but the substantial amount of work done by this old house landscaping contractor, Roger Cook. And Roger, looking at the before and after of a home like this, I got to say, uh, you are more of a very talented sculptor in the way you have shaped this property. It really is a, a pretty spectacular transformation. Welcome. Thank you. You know, I was kidding you before. Sometimes when I see you on these projects, I ask you what you did, and it's like I threw down some sod. But you, you did a heck of a lot more than that on this one, buddy. I mean, you, you really made some major changes. Let's talk about some of the work. What were your first impressions when you saw this place? Uh, it was a treed lot. 
Okay. And my first thing was that I saw potential. Right. But there were a lot of trees in the way of that potential. So the first thing we did was to clear the lot of a lot of dying and diseased trees. Mm -hmm. And that really opened everything up. Yeah, and one of the things that you cleared was a beautiful silver maple. That was a massive tree and a big project, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't beautiful. It was massive. (laughs) It was full of disease and rot and typical of silver maples. Yeah. And it had to go. And that was one of the first trees we took out. It was huge. It was absolutely huge. Yeah, and you did it strategically by sort of disassembling it from the top down. What a great job. Well, it was interesting. You you know, you haven't lived until you've seen a tree fall up. And that's what happened with all these trees. The company came in and set up a... 80-foot crane, I believe, mm-hmm. and just picked them up, lifted them up in the air, dropped them at the chip truck. They went through the chip truck. All gone. Bye. Done, right? And, and amazingly quick, too. In two days. Wow. Now, let's talk about some of the masonry work that you did here, uh, especially this patio. That was quite a big project, and it's really impressive you used the herringbone design for that. Yeah, it is challenging, especially when it comes to the cuts. Yeah. And that's one thing people have to realize. When you do a herringbone on a 45, that when you get to the end, you're going to have lots of little pieces. And fortunately, we discovered a new saw, which doesn't emit any dust. It all gets sucked back into the saw. It makes our job a lot easier. Yeah, because very often when you see those saws working, there's just a cloud of dust. And it's got to be a, you know, not a very pleasant environment to work in. Right. And it's very hard to do your best work when all that dust and water and everything else is flying around. So right. this saw eliminates the water and it just sucks all the... It has a vacuum and it sucks all the particles in. And it just makes the person doing the work more comfortable, makes for a better job. And the transformation of the front of this home where you had different changes in the elevation were pretty significant. You worked this all together to create kind of a stone, like almost retaining wall, and then beautiful steps up. I mean, when you do that kind of a job where you're regrading everything, is there a process to make sure it's all really solid before you start building on top of it? Everything we do is only as good as the bases. So it all starts with a base. In most cases, we dig down three or four feet, mm-hmm. or if we hit gravel, we know we're in good shape. And then from there, we start building up some Upgrade and usually that's three quarter inch stone, which is compacted to six inches below grade, and then we start putting stones for the stone wall in or the base for the walkways. And invariably, um, when you see a failed set of stones like this or a failed patio, it's just that the original builder just didn't really do the complete job when it comes to prepping that base. Right. It's easy to make something look good. It's hard to make it last. That's what we want to do is we want to make everything so when we come back 10, 15, 20 years, the whole patio is still here, the wall's still here, the walk's still here. Now, you also, um, in terms of, you, you talked about removing all of the trees and landscaping. You went tree shopping um, with these homeowners to try to find some new trees. What are the things that you're looking for when you go into a, a, a nursery like that? You're trying to select trees for a project like this. What are some of the things people should be thinking about i don't know it's hard for me because i'm like a kid in a candy store (laughs) i'll take one of those one of those one of those right you want to know what you're looking for it's like anything you go to buy a car you want to know the specifics do you want a tree that's going to get big and tall wide and fat 
flour, you know what you need for specifics, trust your nurseryman who's going to be working with you and go through and find two or three trees that fit the bill and then pick the one you need. Roger Cook, the landscaping pro on this old house. Thank you so much for, again, being a part of the Money Pit and an amazing transformation here. In Thanks for coming out. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, broadcasting today from a beautiful arts and crafts home in this, the 37th season of this old house in Arlington, Massachusetts. Just ahead, generations of families have lived in this home since 1909, and now generations of general contractors have helped restore it. Up next, we're going to talk to Charlie Silva, the nephew of this old house's own Tommy Silva, about his role in the project after this. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler, and you can catch the Money Pit on air and online at moneypit.com, where you can also subscribe to the Money Pit Podcast. And I'm coming to you today from a very special location. I am in Arlington, Massachusetts, where I'm enjoying the rare pleasure of watching the master tradesmen of this old house finish up another amazing transformation of a home. It's a 1909 arts and crafts home in this, their third seventh season. Now you can catch the next episode of This Old House on your local PBS station or catch all the prior episodes on thisoldhouse.com. And if you want to get some inside details and behind the scene photos, you can follow This Old House on Twitter and Facebook, hashtag TOH Arlington. Well, in any project like this, it takes a very good general contractor to keep everything on schedule and on track. 
My next guest did just that, and he'd better, or I bet his uncle would have a few things to say about it. It's Charlie Silva. He is the nephew of Tommy Silva, and welcome to the Money Pit, Charlie. Thank you very much, Tom. Now, I guess uh, since your uncle is Tommy, um, what's it like to kind of follow in his footsteps? You've probably been doing this for a while. Well, it's been a real long time we've been together. It's been around 35 years. Wow. So way back then. So he's going to keep you, huh? Yeah. We're going to stay. All right. That sounds good. So you um, really were the general, uh, part of the general contractor in terms of organizing all the troops and keeping this project on track, on budget. It's an amazing transformation. So let's kind of start at the beginning. You had a lot of demolition to do. And one of the things I thought was fascinating is that when you guys take a house apart, you don't just throw the parts away. You moved a lot of the material that you took out into a recycling center. Let's talk about the concrete recycling and what happened with that. Oh, the concrete recycling was just that. It um, you know, obviously got demoed, and you can't keep, whether it's boulders and a lot of debris with it, rebar, a lot of times some place will separate it at the place. But, uh, you know, you just can't have construction material in it because then it's not worth it to them. Right. So it's hauled to that site, and then that's where they do the crushing. So it's totally crushed. So I saw these huge slabs of concrete go into a machine and come out the size of like three-quarter-inch pebbles. It's fascinating to actually think about what the machines can do. But it is recycling in the best of forms because if you think about it, that material, what good is it if it's not recycled? Right, and you can bring it back to a site like this. You can use it for a base in the driveway or, or any other purpose like that. We Correct. that kind of material. Yeah, pretty interesting. Another thing that was interesting about this house is the foundation. I'm a big fan of this system. It's called insulated concrete forms. And essentially what these are are large foam blocks. I kind of think they're like Lego blocks for adults, right? Exactly. Talk about how that system works. It's a great system. I mean, just starting you know, from the, the foundation, uh, the hole in the ground, you, know, you pour your typical footings. Right. Right. And exactly what I call them. I call them like Lego blocks. Yep. And you literally follow the plan and you snap them to, uh, together. And so these have two sides, both with a couple of inches or so of foam on, each, on either side. So once you fill the middle in with the concrete, you have a very tight, insulated, draft-proof wall there, right? Absolutely. And, and then there's other benefits on the inside. It comes with a rib system inside it. So you don't, if you want to put a wall up or drywall or paneling or whatever, it already has a basically a studded wall within the form that you can screw your uh, plywood to or drywall. So you can attach directly to the form, which is something you couldn't certainly do with, with concrete. You always have to have an additional furring strip or something like that, but it's internals, what you're saying, the structure. So you can attach right to that foam in this yeah. case. And if, you, well, if you're going to attach right to the concrete, it's not going to be insulated. Now it's insulated. It creates a thermal break in itself, and it's a great system. Now, you also did a lot of work on the porch of this house, and I think it's important to note that you know the outside face of this building has completely transformed as a result of the excellent work that you guys have done. But that porch really needed a lot of demolition and a lot of reconstruction. Can you kind of explain what happened with that to our audience? Well, when we started here, first conversations with, with the customers was about this front porch. Because it's the first thing you see when you pull right. up. And there was different plans, different thoughts that went into it. But we took our time and we thought about we thought about everything from saving the roof structure, building within, within it. When we kept to the plan that they originally wanted with the sloped 
uh, curved roof and flares on the bottom, we really had to take it down. So it went down, completely down, completely off the building, and also it was extremely high. You had, I think, 10 steps to get up to it. You've been able to embrace the grade on it. And I thought it was also interesting that the original port didn't have any footing. I guess they didn't believe in footings back then, huh? Back then they didn't have We have a stone foundation in the existing house. Right. And there wasn't any footings. It's just a couple of uh, stones with some uh, wood columns on them. So now you did a precast footing in that uh, on that porch, and that went down at uh, four feet, correct? Correct. So it's now a solid, beautiful porch. You've got a standing seam copper roof on it. You've got these huge flared columns and beautiful uh, staircase. It really added a lot of personality to the front of the house. It did. It, and, and we unveiled it the other day. And uh, it, it's the first thing you see when you pull up, and it's, and it's um, really uh, great looking. Now, another big part of this renovation was the addition you put on the backside of this. And like many old homes, it consisted of a lot of small rooms. It was hard to get a good flow in this room. But by putting this bump-out addition on, you really completely opened that space up. And you were able to do that through uh, some ingenious use of structural steel. And you have a very, very long beam that you had to set for that. And, and that must have been some process. That was probably our biggest challenge in this is to support the entire back section of the house. The steel beam was able to span the entire width of the kitchen, post down to the existing stone foundation, and it carried the whole back side of the house, in, including the two additions above. And you used the steel to frame the roof as well. We did. Well, that's fantastic. Charlie Silva is the general contractor on this, the 37th season house, project house for this old house. Again, you guys did an amazing transformation. I've been to many of these homes over the years, and everyone is beautiful, but this one, uh, from a before and after perspective, spectacular. Congratulations, Charlie. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com, coming to you from Arlington, Massachusetts, on wrap day for the 37th season of this old house. And still ahead, remodeling a fine old home like this isn't just limited to the structure. This old house electrical contractor, Scott Karen had his share of updates to tackle in this home. And I'll bet you may have some of these projects to do in your home. We'll be back with those details next. You live in a body pit. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler coming to you today on location from Arlington, Massachusetts, the site of the current project on this, the 37th season of America's most popular home improvement television show, This Old House. Well, we love old houses, but they do have challenges when it comes to the mechanical systems, and that includes the electrical system. And updating that fell to this old house electrical contractor, Scott Karen. Welcome, Scott. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. So you were a busy boy on this house. You know, when we see these old 1909 homes, you know, I guess the original 
wiring on these homes, which really was the first centrally wired system, was probably knob and tube. Is that right? Yes, it was. We found a lot of knob and tube in this home. And uh, the first thing we had to do was uh, remove it. Yeah, and let's talk a bit about knob and tube because I think a lot of folks still have that around their home. They don't know exactly what it is. But we're talking about the type of wiring where it's strung on ceramic insulators Mm -hmm. and it's held sort of off of the beams. And they do that because it has to be air-cooled. That's right. So the knobs are the insulators that kind of wrap around, the the wire wraps around them. And then the tubes are when they drill through the wood members, they string it through the tubes. And, of course... That means you can't insulate it because you would be, you know, it's supposed to be air-cooled. You can't put insulation on top of it. Yep, that's the problem with it. So when it was installed, it was installed by these craftsmen, these electricians that just had this art of running the wire through mm-hmm. the through the bays and along the uh, rafters. And they just did a wonderful job installing it. It was never made for insulation. It has an impregnated, uh, like a, a some of that was cotton-based with a um, material that just wasn't made to be exposed to insulation. It was made to air out just in, in an open environment. And that was just one of the many projects that you did on this house. But a big one was what you had to do with the main service entry cable. Now, in a beautiful neighborhood like this, very dense neighborhood, the mm-hmm. wires that feed these homes were typically run overhead. Mm-hmm. And of course, that exposes them to icing damage and other types of uh, failures. You had an opportunity here to move that wire underground, but that was a big project, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Certainly the wiring runs overhead feeding all the stations, substations and streets. You see it along the roadways. But in this instance, Arlington is a very old town. There's a lot of old trees that hang over the power lines. So the first thing that happens when we have an ice storm or snow or wind... The, uh, pulls the wires down, and that's not good. So we were able to get about almost 300 feet of it underground, wow. which was a big asset for this home. So it will protect you know, a good portion of it. What's that process like? Do you have to get permission from the utility company? We have to get permission from the town first, mm-hmm. then the utility company, and then we um, do special street opening permits where we call utility marking companies to no- uh, notify us where everything is. This hundred and something year old house that uh, had a lot of stuff put in the ground, so we had to find everything. Uh, get an excavator out here, dig, and put the pipe in the ground from the telephone pole all the way underground to the house, two, and because, two feet under. And because nothing is easy with these projects, you also had a big old silver maple that was in the way, too. Oh, that silver maple, boy. So we got the tree down, but then we had the root system that right. was still in there. So that re- was removed. Once that was all removed, we were able to get the pipe in the ground pretty easily. We're talking to Scott Karen. He is the electrical contractor on uh, this project for this old house. And, Scott, you um, also did, of course, wiring throughout the house. But I did see a segment where you uh, did some wiring in the bathroom. And I Mm -hmm. want to talk a little bit about that because we get a lot of questions from our audience about the issues of mold and mildew and those sorts of things that happen in the bathroom. And you put in a state-of-the-art bathroom exhaust fan Mm -hmm. that helps to deal with some of that. Certainly. It's a building code um, that we're responsible for um, kind of enforcing, making sure that we bring it up to the attention of the homeowner or the builder that every bathroom does need a ceiling fan now. Of course, one of the big, long problems we have is, is the thing going to get turned on? Right. People think the old ones were noisy. They were forgetful. They didn't really care. So we made it completely automated now. 
All you have to do is walk in the bathroom, it comes on, and it also stays on a very low cycle so that it moves the air all the time, which is good for a healthy house. Yeah, because most of the time people leave the bathroom and they turn off the lights, they turn off the fan, and then all of that moisture hangs in the air. Yep. And it leads to mold growth on the tile and mildew and mess and really increases the cleaning frequency need as well. That's right. And, it, you know, the mold and the mildew is half the product. Obviously, mm-hmm. this smells that in a nice to, um, fumigate. And that bathroom being right close to the kitchen, it was a great application for a 110 CFM fan, which is pretty high on the scale. Now, there's a lot of exterior work done in the, in the yard in the landscaping here. Um, if somebody's doing exterior wiring for mm-hmm. that sort of lighting, mm-hmm. are there special precautions they have to take? The low-voltage landscape lighting only needs to be down below the grade, about six inches. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, it's a very good uh, homeowner application where they can do it pretty easily and get away with it. It's only 12 volts too, so it's very safe. So that's one of the DIY jobs that uh, somebody perhaps haven't tackled electrical work before could could do. Um, I would say replacing the main service entry cable is probably <laughs> the other side of that Certainly. spectrum. <laughs> you just you just hit them both. It's, it's a good way to get into working with copper wire and uh, kind of getting your fingers dexterity kind of wise. Scott Karen from This Old House, thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. You got it, Tom. Always a pleasure. You are listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, coming to you from the set of the 37th season of TV's This Old House. Follow all the progress at thisoldhouse.com or at thisoldhouse on Twitter and Facebook. Hashtag T-O-H Arlington. I'll be back with more after this. You live in a money pit. Today's Money Pit is presented by Caseta by Lutron. Simple to use, simple to set up. Learn how you can win a $5,000 smart home upgrade at OurLifeUpgrade.com. No purchase necessary. Ends 12-15-16. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler, and production is wrapping up here in Arlington, Massachusetts on the final day of the 37th season with this old house. And I'm so happy to have a guy sitting with me right now who's been here for almost... Have you been here for all of those years? Every one of them? Uh, 31. 31 of 37. 31. I turned him down the first three years. <laughs> played hard to get. Tommy Silva, I'm glad you didn't play hard to get with us. Tommy, what, what a job here. I mean, we've been talking about it um, for the entire program. The transformation here, so incredible. All the work you guys do is great, but this one really lets your craftsmanship shine. I mean, it's a beautiful house. The arts and crafts style. I love the arts and crafts style, but we mingled a little bit of the modern in with the arts and craft inside. But the detail outside is perfect. I mean, we matched it perfect on the addition. You can't tell the marriage where it began and right. where it ended. You know, it's And that's the key to a good addition. Yeah. To look like it always used to be designed this way. Yes, right? exactly. And the thing is, the house had good bones, but right. it was in big trouble from the siding to the kitchen. Yeah, and it seemed, you know, as soon as you pulled off layers, you found more issues. You found this foundation that was failed, for example, by exposing that. That's pretty typical of these old places. I mean, uh, let's face it, we're caretakers of these houses. Mm -hmm. And when you have a house of this era and you can see its grandeur somewhere in there, Mm -hmm. and you can bring that back, that's the best, smartest thing that you can do. You do it right so it'll last forever. Yeah, and you guys did do it right here. I mean, you took a house that was incredibly inefficient from 
energy perspective. It oh. was crowded. It was, you know, uh, dark. And you really opened the whole thing up. You made it efficient. You made it comfortable. Emily and Nick now have a home that's going to last for generations. Yeah, I mean, generations, we hope they stay here for a long time. They're from this town anyway, and they want to stay here. It's funny when you say we made it more energy efficient. I think they had, Nick had his own oil truck <laughs> delivering yeah. oil once a week. It was yeah. amazing. The oil. Sad, sadly, the oil company would be very disappointed in the work that was done oh, here. Yeah. Well, we took out all the old radiators, new radiant heat, uh, mm-hmm. state-of-the-art furnaces and yeah. boilers now. It's the way to go. So 37 years. What, what do you think's kept the show going? Honesty. Mm-hmm. I think that the show is real because they understand that there's no pretenders here. Mm-hmm. And we pour our heart and soul in doing things the right way, always have, always will, and never cut a corner to make it any other way. Yeah, and I got to tell you, it's been a privilege to work with you guys over these last several years that we've been doing these broadcasts. Yeah, it's been and, fun. And I tell you, folks, what you see is what you get. These are, guys are as skilled and as honest and as engaging as they are on television. Um, every time I, I come and meet you guys, I'm always blown away by who you are and what you create. Thank you very much. It's nice to hear. Now, this house was built in 1909, but you guys added some bling to it. you got a lot of copper on the <laughs> outside here, copper. right? Homeowner wanted to see copper. Yeah, and yeah. we've got the copper downspouts, the copper gutters, and that amazing copper roof over the front porch. Yeah, talk about a roof that will last forever. It's standing seam copper roof, just so traditional and so magnificent, and it literally will never wear out. Never wear out. I can't go wrong with copper. I tell you, Tommy, we can't go wrong with you. I mean, one thing that I like about coming here, folks, is that these guys are as skilled and honest and engaging as they are on television. It's always such a privilege to be here uh, with you and see your transformations one after another. We've been doing this for a bunch of years now, and it's always fun. It's always fun, guys. Thank you for that. All right. Thank you, Tommy Silva. And I'll tell you what, you've got to follow this entire project, folks. Go to thisoldhouse.com. Catch up with the back episodes. Uh, check your local PBS uh, station to watch the new episodes. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter at This Old House. Hashtag T-O-H Arlington. I'm Tom Kreitler. Remember, you can do it yourself, but you don't have to do it alone. <laughs>